for joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10 says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if, yet ple- for if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Peterson, would you please open us in a word of prayer? Please join us in singing hymn number 243, Victory in Jesus.
we'll sing hymn number 406, Who is on the Lord's Side? this morning. Brother Potts, would you pray for it, please? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Stand once again, we'll sing hymn number 169, Come Thou Fount. Hymn number 169.
beside the gate of heaven waiting to go in and he wondered how this holy place could take a man like him with shouts of great rejoicing and with music then they came of the angels standing by him he asked what could be
you would take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews, chapter 2. We've been uh, working on this portion of Scripture for a while, and I keep thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, like I thought this week as I began studying, well, I'm going to hit the gas here and go from verse 11 through verse number 16. I laid that out on my outline. I was going to do that. But by the time I got through verse 13, I thought, they don't want to listen to two messages for the price of one. They want just one message. So rather than being here to one o'clock trying to get through the one message, I'll save that for uh, next week probably. But um, Hebrews chapter 2 is just very, very rich. And I'll be honest with you, as I hit this and begin to study it, uh, my study was not a quick study because the more I studied, the more I meditated, the more I thought on it, I thought I need more study. And it turned into a rather uh, lengthy development. And then my prayer is I can just share with you the highlights uh, and the glimpses that God shared with me as I was going through this portion of Scripture. So we're in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 11, 12, and 13. If you found those and you can, stand with me in honor to the reading of the Word of God. I'll begin reading verse number 1. You can follow along. Now both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for the time together. We thank you for the beautiful message of music uh, that we've been able to take part of in the congregational singing, and then the blessing of the individual singers that came and, and worshiped you and uh, shared uh, the blessings of their talents with us that have moved us, hopefully, into a closer place of worship to you. And Lord, now we come to the time of of the reading of your word, the preaching thereof. And I pray to God that, first of all, you would empty me of self and fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be used for your glory. You'd guide my heart and my lips and my thinking. And, Lord, all that would be used for your glory. We pray for a work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of each and every one that's here. Lord, that your will might be accomplished in their life today. And we're not here by accident. It's not just we stumbled in here. We are here on purpose. And dear God, we pray that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching and teaching of your word here today. And Lord, that you would be lifted up and you would be exalted. And we do stop and praise your name for the awesome God that you are. We thank you for our salvation. As we learned last week, that, that you are the captain of our salvation. We praise you for that. Thank you to know that we can be saved and no heaven is our eternal home. Lord, we rejoice at the great promise that we find there. Go before us today. Might you be honored and glorified. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. And all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. 
We begin with verse number 11. I would remind you, as uh, I did when I prayed, in verse number 10 last week, we read, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. And we thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ who came and purchased our salvation there on the cross of Calvary. And now we continue on thinking about him, the captain of our salvation. It says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I don't mean to bore you today, but as I was doing study, I did find some writing that I thought, you know, I could plagiarize that and say it's mine, or I can just stop and write it uh, intact the way it is because it's just worded so beautifully. So I'm just sharing with you of what uh, I have studied. Sanctification in relation to the Holy Spirit deals with the work of God in us to make us the representative of Him that He wants us to be here on earth. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the redeemed. So the word sanctification means to uh, be set aside, to be purified, to be cleansed. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to help us to accomplish this, uh, to make us a representative of him who saved us, to make us uh, like Christ. He wants us to be that here on this earth, that we might be his representative uh, to the world around us. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the redeemed to accomplish that feat. However, when sanctification is used in connection with Jesus Christ, as here in Hebrews, it's not purification, it is consecration. Okay? Stay with me. I, I told you I did a lot of thinking this week, okay? It's not a condition, but rather a position that we have in Christ. So it's much more than saying, the, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit in me is to help me to purify myself. Amen? I'm not the Kevin Metzinger that got saved. Hallelujah. You would not like that guy. Okay? The cussing, the fighting, all that junk God has helped me to purify from myself. So I no longer represent that. It's my prayer, my desire that I might represent him. That when people would look at me, they, they might see Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. I want all those things to be evident in my life. And that's the work that the Holy Spirit does in my life. He gives that to me as I seek to go to Him. And as He identifies things in my life that needs to go, then I need to throw them away. As a good Christian, uh, one that just gets saved, we ought to have a big trash can. Okay? There are a lot of things in my life had to go. You know what? I don't regret letting any of them go. I had to let friends go. I had to let habits go. I had to let actions go. I had to let attitudes go. All those things had to go that I might become more like Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can still remember as a teenager, having not been saved very long, and we're in, I grew up in DeSoto, Kansas, and we're in downtown DeSoto, Kansas, and everybody parked on a diagonal as you pulled into Main Street there. I'm parked in a diagonal. I'm with my mom. We've been to the bank. I put the car in reverse to back up. And the guy that 
was coming down the street kind of like sped up. I can remember, and I'm not proud of this, but I can remember saying a curse word as I was filling my oats. I'm a big, bad teenager. I'm filling my oats, and I utter a curse word in front of my mom. I'm surprised she didn't take me home and wash my mouth out with soap. She was known to do those kind of things. And she looked at me, and she goes, in a sweet, motherly tone, is that the way a Christian ought to talk? That was worse than any spanking I had ever taken. It made an impact that's still with me today. The work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus Christ's part of sanctification is it moves us into a position. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. Jesus Christ moves us into a position. I love this. So, old Kevin singer over here, is an old, wicked, ungodly, self-serving, self-motivated individual, very egotistical, very proud, and, uh, you know, all those things that went with it. You could place yourself here before you got saved. You could describe yourself right here. When I asked Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior, I moved from there to a position in Jesus Christ. He purchased for me my salvation. Amen? The old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. I moved in position now with Jesus Christ, and guess what? It opens a lot of doors. One of those is that I'm part of the family of God. I'm part of the family. I moved in. You know, so when, uh, when I was growing up, I had two brothers. I didn't pick either one of them. I didn't pick them. Some of you got family like that. Well, actually, you all got family like that. You didn't pick them. God didn't ask you, would you like to have a little boy or a little girl? Surprise, here you are. When I move into the family of God, God didn't ask me, hey, you going to like this person or not? Should I let this person in or not? God didn't, God didn't ask those things. I moved into the family. Part of the family, part of the brotherhood. Okay, so let me get back here to my notes or I'll be all day just emphasizing at one point. So it's not a condition, but rather a position that we have in Christ. He is the just one who took the place of the unjust. Praise God for that, amen? That he might bring us into the family of God and he has brought us into the family of God. Notice the last part of the verse uh, there in uh, verse number 11. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Why should we be ashamed to call him Savior? Why should he be? He's not ashamed of me. Why should I be ashamed of him? And yet many times I'm out telling someone, talking with someone, and for some reason it becomes hard to talk to them about Jesus Christ. It becomes hard for me to share the greatest thing that's ever happened to me because I don't want to, because I'm afraid of what will they think or how will it be received. But you know what? We need to move past that. Jesus Christ isn't ashamed of me. Satan might look and say, oh, but I know the old Kevin Metzinger. I know what he was like. I know him. I know all about him. And God says, I don't care. 
He's in Jesus Christ. When I look at Kevin Metzinger, I don't see Kevin Metzinger. I see Jesus Christ. He's robed in my righteousness. Hallelujah for that. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, we read, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, I think that we would like to capture the fact that they are led by the Spirit of God. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you're seeking to walk in the Spirit of God. That's why we have backslidden Christians all around us. People who don't find church fun or exciting, singing those old hymns, well, that's so boring. I'd rather be out of a ball game. I'd rather this, I'd rather that. Well, they're not seeking to be led by the Spirit, and that's the way they feel. But as a child of God, each and every one of us ought to desire to be led by the Spirit. We ought to pray every morning, God, I'm a son of yours. What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? What is it you want me to do with life? Teenagers, you are at that dangerous time of life. Dangerous time of life. Make all the major decisions right here in the next 10 years. Who are you going to marry? What are you going to be? What do you want to do when you grow up? All these things are important decisions. And you don't want to enter into it just willy-nilly. You don't want to say, ah, I'll take the first one that comes along. I'll take the first job that comes along. You ought to be praying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do? Can I just say, I've had the opportunity, thankful to the church here, to be a representative on many different foreign fields. Every time I get ready to fly out of a mission field, I think to myself, God, I wish there was more of me. I wish there was a clone that I could leave here to work alongside the Kratzes. I love the Papua New Guinea people. Man, God, I wish I had a clone I could leave here in the Philippines and work here and do a work here, be a part and be involved. There's sweet, loving Filipino people. They tear at your heart and they grab you. And you wish, man, I just wish I could clone myself and I could be here and here and here and here. That's why it's so important. There's one of you and you get one chance. Pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? People may say, look, you go be a preacher or you go be a missionary, you're not going to make much money. You know what? The benefits in heaven are out of this world. God's been awful good to me. I have a lot of stuff, more stuff than I need. God's been awful good in that. Don't let stuff be what helps you decide how you're going to serve God or where you're going to serve God. Your prayer needs to be, God, I'm just blindly going to follow you. God, I'm just going to say, you lead me, I'll go. Where you direct me, I'll follow. Whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. Because the truth is, there's only one of you, and you only get one life. I have a plaque that hangs in my office, in my cubicle, where I do my work. I see it quite often, and it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else is in vain. Everything else that we strive to do here upon this earth is in vain. Only what we do for him is going to mount the time test. So in Romans 5, or verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 15, it says, If ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I get to call out to God, and I get to call him my Father. Abba, Father, hear my prayer. The spirit of itself, in verse 16, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
Do you know you're a child of God today? Does conviction fall upon your heart when you seek to do wrong? When you seek to go the wrong way? Does the Spirit of God say, you know you shouldn't do that. You know you need to be in church. You know you ought to do this. You know you should do these things. That's the Spirit of God saying, you have identified with me and I've identified with you. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs. I love this verse. If you're a child of God, then you're an heir of God. I've always wanted to be an heir of a rich man, and I am of the richest. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. What he gets, I get. Uh, I, I think some of you are asleep on me. What he gets, I get. Hallelujah. All of it's out of this world. <laughs> you know, I've watched some ugly things happen in my time as pastor. I've had people make promises. So, pastor, when I die, church is going to get this, church is going to get that, and then the ungodly kids show up and none of it happens. You know what? That sometimes gets very depressing. But one day, they're going to stand in heaven. Well, if yeah, they're going to be the great right throne judge and we'll be there in heaven. Or maybe they are saved. Anyhow, they're going to stand before God one day and give an account of it. I just need to be faithful at what I do. You need to be faithful at what you do. We need to continually lift up God. We need to continually recognize that He is the provider for us. That we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Whatever comes our way, it goes through God's hands first. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Now it's interesting on this word sanctified, I was reading after one of the theologians I like, Mr. Gill. Mr. Gill was... Uh, the predecessor, the one before Spurgeon, uh, there at the great uh, tabernacle in London, he wrote this. And they who are sanctified, the sons, brought to glory, they are not naturally holy. We don't naturally become holy, nor so of themselves. They are made holy. All that are sons are made holy. Whom God adopts into his family, he regenerates. Sanctification is absolutely necessary to their being brought to glory. And between the sanctifier and the sanctified, there is a likeness as there ought to be. Spurgeon wrote this, he said, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. Therefore we are sanctified by one who has been sanctified. We are all the same human family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them, that is us, brethren. Okay, so at the, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of Christ being human, 100% human. Amen? He is the sanctifier because of his death upon the cross of Calvary. My humanity aligns with his humanity, therefore he can sanctify me of that joint heir. It's so important when you stop and you just let your mind meditate and think upon, why was his humanity so important? That he could understand me, he could relate to me, he could share with me the wonders of heaven, the glories and the benefits that I get to have. And so we have this jointness that comes together because of humanity. So Jesus is not ashamed 
to call them, that is us, brethren. We could not be a brother unless he was also human like us. Wow. Now the humanity of Jesus, is, I just it makes it a layer deeper for me. Being sanctified, Spurgeon wrote, well then, dear friends, are you sanctified? I've heard some make a jest of the word and jeer at certain persons as saints. They might as well call them kings and princes and then mock at them, for there is nothing mean or despicable in the name saint. It is one of the most glorious titles that man can ever wear. You have people who want to ridicule you and go, oh, you're a saint of God, are you? You're a saint. Or we could be a part of a religious group that requires you have, after you die, then so many things have to be done that you might become a saint. But praise God, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my position in Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I am now a saint of God. Saint Kevin. Church didn't have to vote on it. Amen? I became it. I didn't have to buy my way there. They didn't burn a bunch of candles to get me there. They didn't say a bunch of hookly gook. I was a saint when I accepted Christ as my Savior. So just walk around the house and call each other saint, whatever your names are. Saint Mom and Dad. Don't call them Saint Bernard. Well, unless their name's Bernard, I guess you would. I'm a saint in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful position, amen? All because of the work that he did there on the cross of Calvary. So we go to three proofs. Three proofs of being brethren of God. Three proofs. Starting the latter part of verse 11, go through 13. For which cause is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children of God, which God hath given me, and the children which God hath given me. He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying the writer recites three proofs that Jesus, the Messiah, calls his people, his brethren, Psalms 22, Psalms 18, and Isaiah 8. And in the examples, Messiah is willing to associate himself with his brethren, and so we're going to look at that. The first association is the congregation of worship. Hebrews 12.2 says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? In Psalms 22, by the way, Psalms 22 is known as the Calvary song. The, the lessons from Calvary that Jesus experienced as he died on the cross for our sins. Psalms 22, 22, it says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. No better place to praise God than in the middle of church. Amen. Several years ago, I was out door knocking. And um, I ended up over here in Gray Oaks, uh, back on some back street, just knocking doors, handing out flyers. And I come across a guy who had his garage door open. He had a 65 
Chevy Malibu that was nice, set where I could see it through the garage door, and he was in the, in the driveway. And I said, hey, how you doing? I said, man, I really like your car. It's beautiful. And he, we talked cars for a bit and uh, talked about cars. I said, well, you know, really, I'm out here just inviting people to church, and I'd like to invite you to Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. I'm actually a pastor there. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to invite you to church. He takes the track I give him. He goes, hmm, Baptist, huh? I said, yeah. He goes, where are you at? And so I told him where we're at. And he goes, you know, I was raised in a Baptist church. So that's awesome. He said, I, I go to Baptist church in DeSoto, Kansas. Well, I immediately knew where that was because I had gone to church there. My mom and dad built a house right across the street from DeSoto Baptist Church. It's an American Baptist church. Back in the day, when my mom and dad first started going, they, they got saved there, and they talked about what church was like then. They had a blind preacher that preached the gospel. People got saved. Through the years, when I got there as a teenager, well, actually, uh, from the time I was, I just remember from the time I was five, uh, growing up there, um, the preacher that had come to be preacher there didn't believe the book. Matter of fact, we used the Living Bible, the paraphrase. So it had nothing to do with the real Bible, but that's the Bible they used. And he would read his messages and read his prayers. And we had one service a week, Sunday morning. That was that. Sunday school, Sunday morning, that was that. And so um, I remember going, and I re- as a kid, and I remember uh, we had a guy named Kenny Simmons that led the music, ball-headed guy get up there and lead music, and he was friends with my family, and so we knew them on another level, and uh, Kenny and Mary Lou and uh, Pat and Tib got to know them uh, by being in church there. And so I'm, vis- I'm visiting with this guy, and he goes, yeah, he goes, so I go to church over there. I said, that's amazing. I said, as a kid, I went to church over there. We had, you know, talked back and forth, and I walked off. He said, someday I'll come see you. Okay, I walk off, go on. Months go by. I'm sitting in McDonald's with my wife one day, and this guy comes to the table, and he goes, I don't know if you remember me or not, but you stood in my driveway and gave me a track. I said, I know exactly who you are. You've got a nice 65 Chevy. Yeah, I know exactly who you are. You want to you give me that, right? No. no. And so he said, I just want you to know my wife passed away. And I said, man, I'm so sorry. That's such a hard, difficult time. A few months later go by, and we had the big tornado went through Tonganoxie, well, Linwood, and out through that area. And he stopped by my table, and he said, so I, I didn't stay there the whole two months, in and out, you know. <laughs> i got to keep this humorous, or you're going to go to sleep on me, and I don't want you to lose the story. He stops by the table, and he goes, yeah, one of those houses that was destroyed was one I built several years ago. And, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And so, you know, God just lets bump into each other on and off, on and off, on and off. Every time that I see him, he's like, you know, one day I'm going to come visit your church and so forth and so on. So, um, the last week that Brother Chuck was here, someone knocks on the door. Now, the nice thing about having an associate is you don't have to worry about answering the phone or answering the door. And so Chuck goes to the door and he comes back and goes, hey, there's a guy here who wants to visit with you. So I go out and visit. It's the guy that has the, the uh, 65 Chevy. And we begin to visit and he goes, so... Pastor retired after 50 years at DeSoto Baptist, and so I'm a trustee there. We began to clean stuff out, and he goes, I come across these hymnals 
And I remember these from when I was a kid. And he had two of them that he gave me. And uh, it's really cool because in the front, there's my mom and dad's name, both of them. I remember as a kid, looking through all the, you know, it's a little kid, you get bored, you don't want to listen to the preaching necessarily. I remember looking at, wonder whose hymnal I got this week, you know, and I could identify different people. And I thought about how cool it was growing up in a church that sang hymns. And I thought about our church, how cool it is that we can grow up singing hymns. And this morning as we're driving to church, I turned on my radio, and guess what? They're singing hymns. I could sing along with them. What a joy. The great thing about this music is it has so much doctrine in it. I mean, it, the stuff you study in the Bible, and I mean, just applied so readily, so good. So to sing in church is an important aspect of our Christianity. You say, well, I'm not a good singer. Well, the great thing is in the verse there, he doesn't say you have to be a great singer to sing in church. Otherwise, you're exempt. No exemption. None. I can't hold a tune in a bucket. That's okay. My father-in-law couldn't either, but he'd sing. Joyful sound. You might, the people around you might move. Doesn't matter where to sing. We should sing. We should want to sing. Singing is an ex, uh, expression of the joy and the happiness that lies inside of us. It's an expression of what God has done for us. And we want the music that comes from this pulpit area and from this church, we want our music to have meaning. We want it to uh, mean something. We want to be able to sing something with meaning. Singing needs to be a part of our life. And he says, in the midst of the simile, I will sing praise to you. What a wonderful quote from Psalms 22, 22. And it reminds us, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, it reminds us that Jesus sang. You ever think about that? I wonder what he sang. Walking along with the disciples. Hey, let's sing Jesus Loves Me, guys, as we're walking along here today. I don't know what they sang, but I know this, that he sang part of his worship to his father and as a testimony to his brethren when you sing, you realize that you're testifying. Sometimes I just like to kind of hold up a little bit and kind of give it one of these. Kind of give it one of these. Maybe come up here. Just You can tell who's happy in the Lord and who's like, I don't know, I wish this was over. I hate singing. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. I'll be a part of our worship to the Lord. If we want to worship Him, it, it needs to be part of the expression that we bring before Him. <laughs> one writer wrote this, by the way. Jesus, I know Jesus sang as they got ready to go to the Mount of Olives before he had his great prayer time. One writer wrote this. Did, as a matter of fact, it was Spurgeon. He said, did Jesus sing? Yes, literally. After supper, they sang a hymn. It must have been the most thrilling thing to hear Christ's voice quivering with emotion, singing the Psalms, which constituted the great handle. Wow. You like to go at Christmas and hear the, the Handel's recital? Maybe Jesus sang some of those hymns himself? Wow. So it's not only that 
um, a, co a congregation of worship, but then it's a community of trust in the Father. Verse 13 says, And again I will put my trust in Him. Psalms 18.2 says, In whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. The second scripture is quoted from Psalms 18.2, and again, I will put my trust in him. That psalm sets forth the troubles that David, who was a type of Christ, met with, and how he in all his troubles put his trust in God. You'll remember when Jesus was here, and he goes to the Mount of Olives to pray. What does he do? He puts his trust in God. He said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But God, I'll, I'll follow through. I'll do what we've committed to do here. Jesus repeatedly, while he walked here upon this earth, talked with God and fellowshiped with God. And he is our example. He has consecrated us. He has made us brethren, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Don't you think we ought to do the things that he did? Prayer ought to be a part of our life. Talking to God ought to be a part. Say, well, I've got all these troubles and I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Why don't you tell Jesus? Go to Jesus. Tell him. Pour your heart out before him. You might say, no one else understands me. No one else cares. Jesus cares. Yeah, but he's not right here in front of me and, and he can't feel the weight. Oh, he feels it all. Go to Jesus. Turn to him. I'm so thankful in times of darkness and uncertainty, I can turn to Jesus. I never will forget the day I kissed my wife goodbye and they took her in to operate on her. And all I could do is turn to Jesus. And the doctor comes out and he doesn't have any good news at all. And all I could do was turn to Jesus. So great is our Savior that he loves us and cares for us that we might turn to him. I will trust in him. Though he slays me, I will trust in him. Third thing we find is a declaring a common family association. Verse 13 says, Behold I and the children which God hath given me. In Isaiah 8.18 it says, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me. This shows how precious Jesus' people are to him. He talked repeatedly throughout the New Testament of those that you've given me, referring to the children that have had those who had come to get saved as a result of Christ's death there on the cross of Calvary, and he referred to us, and he still cares for us today. As he cared for them then, he cares for us now. He has gone to prepare a place for us because he cares for us so much. He is our Savior. This shows how precious Jesus' people are to him. He likes to dwell on the fact that they are precious in themselves, but more precious in the fact that the Father has given them to him. Some things are valued by you as keepsakes given by one you love, and so are we dear to Christ because his Father gave us to him. Jesus cares for me. Not only does he love me, not only did he die for me, but then God said, this is one of yours, son. Oh, I love him. Oh, I love him. That's what Jesus said. Oh, I love him. You've given him to me. He is mine. I love him. Isn't it good to know that Jesus loves us? And shouldn't we in return love him? More than just a cursory, 
God, I love you. God, God, I want to praise you. I'm talking about really learn to know him and to love him, to draw close to him, to associate with him. The ultimate gift for our salvation was paid there on the cross of Calvary when Jesus died. His precious blood was shed for our sins that we might be saved. And oh, how we should love him because he loved us. So our title today was simply Sanctified, Sing, and Trust. That should be our goal as a child of God. I'm sanctified, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to trust. Lord Jesus, we love you today. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. We have so much to praise you for and thank you for. God, I'm thankful I'm a child of God. I'm thankful to know that I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. God, I'm thankful I can cry out to you, Abba, Father. As uh, my father representative, I can cry out to you. You're the great father of my life. And God, I can cry out to you with my needs and my desires, and you hear, and you answer, and you, t- you supply on my behalf as you would see fit. God, I'm thankful that when it seems like no one else cares or the, that no one else has time that you're there, I can turn to you, lay my heart's troubles before you. God, you love me and you care. God, thank you for giving us the ability to sing. And it may not be opera quality or it may not be the top ten but our singing is only to please you and not others lord help me to sing for your glory help me to sing to worship you every opportunity i can take to worship you use that tool in my life lord use this invitation for your glory i love you and i ask it in your wonderful most precious name Amen. Let's stand today. Moment of invitation, 317, I'll live for him. If God's spoken to your heart, encourage you to come, whatever you need.
retreat this week. Uh, it's Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. If you've not signed up, you can go to Living United and do that. Uh, ladies meeting uh, next Thursday, the 23rd, 6.30, ladies, not the normal 7. 6.30 will be the start time. Uh, we're looking at a staff family on the uh, 26th. Uh, they'll be here with us and uh, excited to have them in. And they're looking us over, we're looking them over. And I uh, really think that unless some drastic thing happens that they will be the next ones to work with us. So uh, there will be a meet and greet reception on February 25th at 6 o'clock. And we'd like for it to be a dessert reception. So if you could bring a dessert and then uh, just spend some time. Uh, you, you can visit with them, visit one another. And then uh, in likeness that we will call them. Uh, our church will be voting on March the 5th in the afternoon uh, whether or not to uh, issue a call to them. And so I encourage you to be praying and be a part of that. Uh, it should be an exciting time. Uh, missions conference, the March 1st through the 5th, always exciting time around here. Uh, we're going to have the Parkers to Japan, the Scuffums to Cambodia, the Marinos to California. And it uh, should be an exciting time. I encourage you to mark that down, plan to be here Youth rally coming up March 17th, information there, man camp. Uh, what I want to say about that is you need to get signed up by March 8th and pay your money. So uh, we'll look forward to being involved in those activities. Pray for one another. Amen. Uh, as we think about praying for one another, it's good to see Mrs. Reichelt here. Amen. I've been praying for her. I'd love to see answered prayer. Uh, pray for um, Brother um, Medlin. I uh, talked with his wife earlier this week. Uh, he's, he was still in the hospital at that time. Uh, he was getting past the COVID aspect. They were doing the test on the esophagus. Uh, pray for Linda Booth. Uh, she's at home. Praise the Lord for that. Pray for her and Don. And uh, they're getting ready to move. And so all that's involved there, I'm sure they appreciate your prayers. Uh, remember to pray for Mrs. Chen. She did get moved out of the hospital into a care facility. Aunt May's been moved into a care facility. These ladies need your prayer that uh, they might get uh, rehabbed and be able to get out and get going soon. And then uh, pray for uh, Mrs. Omer. You get a chance to send a card to any of these. I know they'd appreciate your prayers. And I see Mandy here. Uh, is she sporting her scooter? Yeah, she broke her foot. That's not a fun thing. And she's been working. Uh, and so if you would be praying for her also. Good to be in the Lord's house today. God's so good. Brother Russ, it's good to have you back from Texas. Would you close us in prayer?